Genosis is less than a parsec away. If he's still alive. Annie, are you just gonna sit here and let him die? He's your friend, your mentor. He's like my father. But you heard Master Window. He gave me strict orders to stay here. He gave you strict orders to protect me. And I'm going to help Obi-Wan. If you plan to protect me, you'll just have to come along. I'm not worried about you. It's just I've never flown before. Welcome to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Deep in the bowels of the frozen ice caverns of Hawk, our hosts, Carl LeClaire, Jason Hunt, and Katie Horn, discuss all things Star Wars. So join the conversation and hang out here in the Wampa's Lair. Hey everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampus Lair Podcast. This is episode number 335, Seen It. I'm as always one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Admiral Piet and General Hux to my director Krennic, we have Carl LeClaire and Katie Horn. <laughs> yes. uh, I love it. I'm Hux. Uh-huh. Right? Yes. I'm Firmus. I'm I'm I am firmly in agreement of this. <laughs> yes. I can't believe how like actually I can't believe how like excited it made me to hear you say <laughs> General Hux like yes. Yes, it me. <laughs> Although I think you're more accurately described as General Hugs. Yeah, um, oh, true, accurate. Yes. I'm just I'm waiting for Poe Dameron to call. I will be on hold with Poe Dameron all day. <laughs> Have you seen her Twitter handle? Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> well, hi everybody. Hi, hi friends. Hi. Hello. What We're a back. What a great long weekend. Sure was. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I got to go to uh, Phoenix Comic Con, or well, they're calling it Phoenix Fan Fusion now. They've renamed it like three times, and I don't <laughs> care. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, I got to go um, there over the weekend, so that was fun. Uh, but yes, it was a nice long weekend, and yeah, we forgot to post the matchup, didn't we? <laughs> yes, we <Oops>. did. <sighs> well, don't worry. We'll have it for you at the end of this show. <laughs> Darn right. We're not, we're, not well, skipping this matchup, no, all, sir. We are all about repeats. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, the amount of times that we repeat watching these Star Wars movies should tell you that. Um, <laughs> now... Um, you know, we, oh gosh, yeah, I'm excited about this little episode because first off, we, we're done with the radio dramas, which, um, is crazy. We, I think that's the at least third, possibly fourth time we've done those in their entirety. It was the third time. Yes. Third time we've played those on our podcast over the, you know, seven and a half years, seven and a half years that we've been doing this podcast. Um, so I, we will be doing a show sometime soon about the radio dramas in general (laughs) um but this is just like kind of a fun random episode where we each picked a scene just a random scene not like a top five or anything like that just a scene we've been thinking about a lot lately in star wars and we're going to talk about that um and we each uh, prepped a scene that we're excited just randomly talk about with y'all um yeah. so yes. uh and this is the thing like i love when we get the opportunity to do the top fives it's it's some of my favorite stuff we do on the show because it's fun and it's also kind of surprising because i never know what y'all are going to pick well jason i tend to know some degree of what you will katie i'm <laughs> getting to know what you'll pick um i'm a pop-up book so it's never hard um but uh, <laughs> um but i was just like yeah but there's all these scenes in star wars that you know are always worth talking about that but don't necessarily like fit the confines of lists like that now, I will admit the scene I picked is something that I could that could easily fit into the confines, but I've never talked about it at length, so I'm excited to talk about it. I'm excited to hear what you guys have to say about your scenes. 
Um, we don't have any pre-show stuff, so like I think we can just dive right into this like a father onto the beaches of Canto Bight. <laughs> there you go. I told you guys, you can't park that shuttle here. <laughs> I told them, you can't park that shuttle here. Hey, <laughs> And they just walked off to the casino. <laughs> oh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> That's me, like, and then you guys, you know, you guys show back up, and I'm pointing all like, there they are. There's some shuttle parkers. <laughs> there they are. <laughs> I would sell you guys out in a heartbeat I if I could get a father. I love the fact that they're running down the beach, and we get a nice, you know, quick shot of the the shuttle, and it's got parking tickets on it. It does? <laughs> It does. I, I so never noticed that. Tickets. What really? It's I so never silly. noticed that. Oh my gosh! It's, That's so it's funny. Absolutely, like it's papered in in parking tickets. Like it's so cute. That's so clever. Oh like my no gosh. wonder they were wanted. Like yeah. you know, I bet. Also, they were who the hell? Another... Oh my gosh! Who's down there on the beach putting tickets out? <laughs> they they care a lot about where you can and can't park on Canto Bite. I mean, they did say it's filled with the worst people. Yeah, that's <laughs> and nothing every, people hate more than a meter maid. <laughs> right. Every angry meter maid got the call and marched down there. <laughs> that is so funny. Ah, oh, I will have. Oh man, I. Oh gosh, I'm just so excited to go back the, and rewatch that scene. What species is the angriest meter maid? <laughs> oh, probably a Tardarian. Tardarian, to be completely honest. Yeah. Just Darth Maul. <laughs> oh, Darth Maul. Yeah. Darth Maul Extra as a meter maid because he, he's been so appointed angry. meter maid duties on Dathomir. <laughs> oh my gosh! Kira shows up and he immediately just throws a parking ticket on it. <laughs> I feel like I feel like if you two were in fact thrown in jail for shuttle parking, improper shuttle parking, I would be the one already asleep in there. Like, oh, could you guys keep it down? (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't help but overhear everything you were saying very loudly. Very loudly. (laughs) Sorry. I've got my shoes draped around my neck. (laughs) Darth Maul sneakers. Yes, my Darth Maul sneakers. Exactly. I'm just like, oh. <laughs> oh my oh, gosh. That's not one of the scenes we picked to talk about. Um <laughs> But we talked about it anyways. Yeah. So um Jason, do you want to kick it off? Sure, why not? Uh we'll kick it off. I, I guess we'll we'll start this little adventure, I'm assuming chronologically here with our, our scenes we picked. Ooh, smart. Ooh. Yeah. Uh can you go ahead and play a little bit of uh the clip that we've We've got set up for this. Why don't you tell me where we're going? We're going um, all the way back to Attack of the Clones. Not quite the beginning, but close enough. And um, we have just uh, finished peeking in on some of the the senatorial proceedings and are making our way back to dear old Geonosis. Traitor. Oh no, my friend. This is a mistake, a terrible mistake. They've gone too far. This is madness. I thought you were the leader here, Dooku. This had nothing to do with me, I assure you. I will petition immediately to have you set free. Well, I hope it doesn't take too long. I have work to do. May I ask why a Jedi Knight is all the way out here on Geonosis? I've been tracking a bounty hunter named Jango Fett. Do you know him? There are no bounty hunters here that I am aware of. The Geonosians don't trust them. Well, who can blame them? But he is here, I can assure you. It's a great pity that our paths have never crossed before, Obi-Wan. Qui-Gon always spoke very highly of you. I wish he were still alive. I could use his help right now. Qui-Gon Jinn would never join you. Don't be so sure, my young Jedi. You forget that he was once my apprentice, just as you were once his. He knew all about the corruption in the Senate, but he would never have gone along with it if he had learned the truth as I have. The truth? The truth. What if I told you that the Republic was now under the control of the Dark Lord of the Sith? No, that's not possible. The Jedi would be aware of it. The dark side of the Force has clouded their vision, my friend. Hundreds of Senators are now under the influence of a Sith Lord called 
Darth Sidious. I don't believe you. The Viceroy of the Trade Federation was once in league with this Darth Sidious. But he was betrayed ten years ago by the Dark Lord. He came to me for help. He told me everything. You must join me, Obi-Wan. And together, we will destroy the Sith. I will never join you, Dooku. Finish it, Jason. It may be difficult to secure your release. <laughs> Get after it, buddy. There we go. Uh, oh, why, why are we thinking about this scene today, Jason? Oh, well, Carl was like, let's talk about some scenes that we're thinking about. And I'm like, uh, what am I thinking about? I don't know. Dooku. That's what I'm thinking uh, all about. All the time? Uh, right. <laughs> Never stop. Uh, so what's a good scene with Dooku? This one. Um... I don't know. I always like this scene, and I, I've been kind of revisiting some of the Dooku stuff in the films in light of uh, Master Prentice and Jedi Lost. Um, so Dooku's really been on my mind the last couple of months. So, And that is never a bad thing, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, but I feel like we've talked about some of this in various contexts before. But there's always a lot of questions that sort of come up when when you really start looking and thinking about the content the, the content of the scene. Um, and I've got a couple of questions that I'm uh, you know w- I think would be fun to pose and discuss. But uh, first of all, do we think Qui Gon Jinn would have left? Because that's what Dooku says, mm-hmm. you know. Only, you know, yeah, I mean, I don't. Yes, I do. No, I, no? I, I think no. Ah, I'm sorry. Oh, I yeah. love that we disagree, though. I Me love too. it. I was just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, but, the, but here's the thing. Yeah. Qui-Gon stayed even though he knew about the corruption. If Qui-Gon mm-hmm. knew that the Senate was being run by a Sith Lord, mm-hmm. would he, he have stayed? I think he would have stayed kind of the same way Padme stayed, you know, um, where Padme like was forming the rebellion under the under the Senate's nose while she watched it all go so terribly terribly wrong, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, eventually Mon Mothma walked away. Like we saw that in Rebels, where you know yeah. eventually she was all like, you know, we can't this the system no longer functions. Mm-hmm. You know, it's clear to me now that the Senate no longer functions, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Right. Um, well. So maybe Qui-Gon would have had a moment like that, but I don't know. I feel like he would have been there to the last. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I feel like right. The point we're at in episode one Mm -hmm. is kind of everything is just starting to come to fruition. Mm -hmm. Um, And oddly enough, right. Obi-Wan is the one that senses it, right. The movie opens with Obi-Wan, you know, having this wariness that Qui-Gon is about this. Yeah. And Qui-Gon's not exactly, (laughs) tuned into that quite yet but i think this is a decade later things have gotten much worse um and you've got a very very broken system and i think the way in which i here's here's where i think qui-gon would have left had dooku asked qui-gon to leave without being under the guise of being a sith lord right like if 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 qui-gon was aware that dooku would fall into the sith no Qui-Gon would not follow. But if it was Dooku still just as the Jedi who walked away, yes, I think Qui-Gon would have walked away too. Mm-hmm. Under yeah, under the you. invitation of a person, right? Because I think that's something we learn about Qui-Gon's character in episode one is mm-hmm. in a very similar way to Anakin, he's a relational person. So I think his closeness to Dooku, Dooku pointing out like how bad things have become, Qui-Gon, I need your help. I think Qui-Gon joins him. Again, if Dooku had not yeah. become a Sith. I see, the thing see, is... yeah. I could see Qui-Gon leaving the Jedi Order or deciding to to take one of these, you know, long nomadic sabbatical kind of missions <laughs> where he kind of just like like okay, peace out guys. You guys are really running this into the ground and can't see, you know, the forest through the trees. Um but the thing is is I don't think he would have joined the separatists. 
Oh, yeah, know? me neither. That's a fair I, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't Be- see Qui-Gon choosing a side in, in this conflict. You know what I mean? No. Obviously, I mean, Qui-Gon does choose a side. He, you know, he says in Master Apprentice, you know, I choose the light. I turn towards the light. Uh, you know, There's I no can't- light in either side here. Well, yeah, well, that's the, that's the whole thing is that, you know, the conflict, you know, is is what's wrong with the Senate, is what's wrong with the galaxy. The war itself is the problem, yeah. you know? Um, and, you know, that's it, it all comes back to, you know, what Padme said and what Padme advocated for. You know, she would she was so against the formation of, of a galactic army, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, you know, she was, I will not condone a course of action that will lead us to war. Like, she knew that there is nothing good that could come from conflict. And so I couldn't see Qui-Gon Jinn being a soldier in that war, the way that Anakin and Obi-Wan were, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. So I could see him leaving. I couldn't see him joining Dooku. Mm-hmm. And so there's sort of, I feel like there's a little bit of a, of a, you know, sleight of hand that Dooku is doing here. I think he's doing that kind of in general with a lot of what he's asking here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, b- because, you know, obviously the big question is why, why should he tell the truth? Why should you tell the truth about Sidious in the first place? You know, uh, and I, my suspicion is because he knows the Jedi will refuse to believe it, um, at yeah. least initially. And by the time they, it's you know, worn on them and gotten stuck in their craw for so long um, that they've decided to finally do something about it, it'll be too late. It's probably already almost too late, anyways. Yeah. But you know. He basically gives up everything except who the Sith Lord is and that the Sith Lord is also involved with the Separatists. So he's like – there's a very subtle sleight of hand going. He tells the truth, but he doesn't tell all of it. Mm. So um, – Does he I, I know? Like, I feel does, like he's doing that a little bit with Qui-Gon too. Sure. Does Dooku know – who Sidious is. I mean, he knows that Sidious controls the Senate, but does he know that he is the Senate? (laughs) I have to think so, because when he goes to Palpatine at the end of the movie, he's there on Coruscant meeting up with Darth Sidious. And when Palpatine tells Anakin, you know, to to, to kill Dooku in Return of the uh, Revenge of the Sith, the look that Dooku shoots Mm, him is like, You're betraying is is one of betrayal. So I I think Dooku has to know. I mean, in the Revenge of the Sith novel, he he clearly knows. Oh, all Um, right. It's been a while since I've read that. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if that's ever referenced explicitly in Clone Wars, like the TV show. Yeah. I I, I can't recall, but um, I don't think so. I do mm. think I do think in that moment, though, that Dooku is making a genuine plea with Obi-Wan there. I think he does. Oh, yeah. um, He genuinely wants and, and and you get a sense of the amount of i don't i don't know what the right word would be but the fact that when you know obi-wan is laying there on the ground after dooku wounds him mm-hmm. he like pauses for a moment before he about he's about to strike that killing blow right like mm-hmm. there is um a hesitation there and the same too after he defeats anakin and they're both laying there he deactivates his lightsaber and sighs right before Yoda comes in, right? Like there is this mm-hmm. sense of this isn't exactly what Dooku wanted. Um, so yeah. that's why I feel like in that moment there is part of him that does want to over – I mean that is the way of the Sith, right? The master is, yes. you know, is to be overthrown by the apprentice. So there's nothing un-Sith-like about that. But I also think Dooku um, – and without giving any big spoilers away, like – a very big character attribute that's explored in Jedi Lost, the radio drama, is the arrogance of Dooku, um, even as a Jedi. So I think in his mind, he does know best. So Sidious doesn't. Palpatine doesn't. Like, it makes sense that he would want to overthrow him. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's, you know, that was sort of maybe my last follow-up question here was going to be like, you know, does Dooku really want Obi-Wan to join him? And then why? You know, why does he want Obi-Wan's help? Why does he want this? Because I think he really is testing to see if Obi-Wan will join him and he will gladly take Obi-Wan because let's face it, Obi-Wan's better at his job than Asajj is. Um, So... (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But... but, (laughs) 
Um, I mean, all Asajj ever did was face Anakin and Obi Wan at the same time, all the time, every week, <laughs> but whatever. Did she win? She didn't lose. <laughs> <laughs> they never got her. <laughs> oh, true. But, um, but, <laughs> but, but, to what end would Dooku have wanted Obi Wan? Obi Wan as an ally, you know, because I, I, you said Carl, maybe it's to to overthrow Palpatine, mm-hmm. oh, uh, yeah. but but in what regard, you know, is is Dooku still planning to go through with the war? Do you wonder? I don't know. I think it's a, mm. you know, it's definitely it's just one of those dark side character reaching out to a light side character moment, you know, like Anakin reaching out to Padme. <laughs> we can make things the way we want them. Come on. Yeah. All you have to do is take over the galaxy. Problem solved. Like, <laughs> come on. And or you know, or then, you know, Anakin making that same offer to Luke, like, come on, let's just overthrow the Emperor and rule the galaxy as father and son. Doesn't that sound awesome? <laughs> or and time it, to let old things yeah. die. Yeah, come on. Sith. Yeah. yeah, come, come on, on Ray. Ray. <laughs> yeah. Like I think I think that's Obi-Wan's moment here where it's all like, you know, he he could almost like have his father back in a way, you know, because Qui-Gon was taken from him and he hasn't met Dooku before now. So it's it's like grandpa being all like, "Hey, come on. Let's just <laughs> team up." You know, Qui-Gon would have joined me. Qui-Gon would have been all for this. You want your dad back, right? Come on. Come on. <laughs> and Obi-Wan's like, "Nah." <laughs> I would never join you, Dooku. Yep. Uh, yeah, like they, if well, he if he had had a you know a, a what what is that thing that Luke falls down after you know that like the endless pit you, and clouds. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. yeah. If if Obi Wan had had a pit to throw himself in, he shot. absolutely would have. Yeah. He would have been all like, "No peace." Just throwing himself over. Yeah. All right. You know, well, there, never join you, Dooku. Well, yeah. then get comfortable. You're going to be here a while. <laughs> <laughs> when when, when we get around to talking Jedi Lost, which I can't wait to talk about together, um, there's actually a lot of stuff in Jedi Lost and Master and Apprentice, for that matter, because mm-hmm. I've finished both of them relatively recently, and I know you're ahead of the game on that, Jason and Katie. You were ahead of the game on Master and Apprentice. <laughs> um, yeah. But there's a lot of stuff explored there that I don't know that, that give us these thematic plots that I feel like are finally going to be resolved in the sequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean by that, again, without, I don't want to give anything away in case you've not read or listened to, to either of those. Um, but, and, and it's something that's really like in that brief moment, Luke expounds upon in last Jedi, the idea of the history of the Jedi's failure. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, these are things that are really well established in both Jedi Lost and Master and Apprentice. This idea that and, – and we talked a lot about this um, not that long ago when we were talking The Phantom Menace. This obsession of the Jedi Order of the prequel era with, the, with codes, dogma, conduct, um, being kind of the servants of the Republic as if they are part of the state as opposed to something distinct. Um, these are topics that are really well explored in both Master and Apprentice and Jedi Lost and that Luke points out like there is this tremendous flaw in the prequel era of being obsessed with all the wrong things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it yeah. took somebody like Qui-Gon to open the mind of Yoda and Obi-Wan after the you know humbling of the Jedi Order. And now you've got Luke who's trying to pick the pieces up and put that back together. And it falls apart again because of a relationship. And now you've got what presumably is a character divorced of the Skywalker lineage who's going to come and make right all the things that fell apart. And I think the way you make them right is to reclaim the Jedi to something that is hinted at in Jedi Lost Master and Apprentice that was ultimately failed at by the prequel era Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and – I, and I, um, I know I'm getting a little off topic here and I apologize, um, <laughs> but I think something myself and I can always speak from my own, you know, I love critiquing myself um, when I look back at young Carl from six <laughs> months ago, um, like, <laughs> right? Like there was such an uproar after Last Jedi of like, well, gee, you can't have Star Wars without the Jedi. And I don't think Last Jedi ever went to say like, we don't need, I mean, yes, Luke has that moment where it's time for the Jedi to end. But what he ultimately learns is it's time for the old way of Jedi to end. Right. And something new to come to light. Um, and that's what Ray teaches him ultimately. Um, and 
that's what I'm really excited about for and kind of and, and nine, I think, is that we're going to get the fulfillment of everything that fell short in the prequels um, and wasn't ultimately put back together like we thought it was in the original story, like in the, you know, the, the OT era. Um, and I think that's a really good story, right? Like the Vanity Fair article, which we could do a whole podcast about. And I know we, we won't tonight, oh, but, um, <laughs> but like it really points out that this is the story of, you know, making wrong, make, making right all the issues that still came from before you. Um, and that's a very generational story, right? We're always yeah. it's sad, sad to say we always pass on the sins of, of, of our times to the younger generations and it falls to them sadly to, to fix those. Um, which is also a very biblical theme. So, which I, I can obviously get behind. So, <laughs> um, also, you know what they were saying in the trailer, you know, with a thousand generations live in you now, like yeah. it all, it all comes down to Ray, you know, like no pressure, Ray, right. <laughs> no, no yeah. pressure or anything, but you really, it really does drive at this theme that Ray is going to be the one to fix everything that came before and it's a it's a daunting and and scary thing like no wonder she ran away in the force awakens you know when the lights lightsaber called to her like gosh i don't know if i could do that <laughs> you know all that yeah that's too too much responsibility yeah, yeah. i'd run away and too <laughs> and then to tie it back here we've got dooku scheming right. you know as a perfect prime example of the corruption and the failings of the jedi you know yeah He's, you know, even though I feel like he believes he's doing the right thing, you know, much more than Palpatine does. Palpatine doesn't care about right or wrong. Palpatine just cares about what Palpatine cares about. <laughs> um, I feel like Dooku genuinely believes that ultimately he will be seen to be in the right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he knows that he's doing a bad thing to do the right thing. Yeah. The, you the, know, yeah. I don't, ends yeah. justify the means with Dooku. Kind of, yeah. Exactly. And, uh, and he will ultimately be vindicated. Um, but only he can see that in this moment, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, good. Great scene. See, I knew this yeah. one. Picking more than one would be foolish. <laughs> We're about a half hour. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, Although, I, who's next, Carl? Yeah, and I feel bad because Jason, you had some great questions. I don't really have questions; I just have observations. <laughs> I mean, observations <laughs> and discussion is fine yeah. too. But I, yeah. I think your discussion would be, you know, easy. At least the way it worked for me was be easier to do than just to yeah. ask questions. So we can do it however you want. Well, oh nuts! Hold on. Um, <laughs> oh, this is why I hate streaming stuff. I had it. Oh, here we go. Hold on. Sorry. So shockingly enough, I'm going to take us to the to the uh, barren wasteland that is Kessel. Um, And uh, I want to talk about a pretty climactic moment to me. What is the most climactic moment in the film? So um, let me uh, cue up a little scene for everybody right quick. Save energy. I'm gonna get you out of here. All right? Damn it. Run! 
So that's, oh man, that scene uh, with my friends. I'm fine. Uh, <laughs> fine. God, I love it so freaking much. So um, I feel like this is actually the emotional climax of the film in a way mm, um, mm-hmm. for multiple characters, not just Han. Um, and to, to, you know, the superficial thing is, is this is just the coolest, most badass shootout in all of film history in my book. Oh, wow. Book, right? That's that's Not my opinion. It. Yeah, that's my that's my opinion. Um, it is definitely my probably second favorite action scene in all of Star Wars as well. Um, second only to Duel of the Fates. Um, yeah. But, there you uh, go. It's uh, it just it's it's visually so cool. Again, it, it's it's so western. It's it's the cowboys protecting their wagon. Um, <laughs> you know, yep. um, it's you know, it's it's the settlers on their way to 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 new places, to new life, and they're under attack. So you got to defend your wagon. Um, like again, I just I love that western trope that exists there, and it really is like it's sandy, right? There's sand getting kicked up and fire, and um, there's something that even feels western about it, and and how gritty and dirty it is. Um, but I, man, there's so many things I love about this scene. Um, it's ultimately a scene where everybody chooses something besides their themselves well. beyond their own well-being, beyond their own self-preservation. Everything except that these characters, for except for Beckett, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, yeah. But like, I'm just gonna right, call him out, and drag him. I am. Yeah. Drag him. He doesn't go out at this point. Is bitter and angry and self interested because he's lost Val and he doesn't want to get hurt again. So he's just, yeah. yeah, he yeah. lost his Chewy. Yeah. He yeah. lost his Chewy and his Leia. It's yeah. he's not having a good time. He's not. No. no. But you know the thing. I just I like it so much because first off, like it is kind of in a way initiated by L three. Right. Yes. L three is well, kind of, <laughs> kind of. But like in this scene, I would say it is. Like she's out yeah. there. Um, she's found her, her true purpose, Lando. Right. Like she announces that. Um, and as soon as she goes down, you know, Lando chooses to go after her, no matter what that means. Which mm-hmm. immediately strikes a chord in Han. Like Han just I think really connects with Lando in that moment of like understanding going back for someone that you love. I mean, that, that's, that's Han going back for Kira, right? Like yeah, the, yeah. the first yeah. act of that movie, Han's stated purpose is, you know, I'm going to get a ship and go back and find her. Right. Like that's, that was Han's purpose for, for three years of his life while he was in the Imperial Navy is to go yeah. back and get Kira. So he gets what it's like to be so in love with someone to, to run into hell for them. And that's what he sees Lando doing Nobody's going to help Lando. But I mean, I like it because it's so Han. He's like, damn it. I love when he yells, damn it, and <laughs> runs out. Because it's not what he, you know, it, that's in some ways, that's not what he wants to do. But in yeah. other ways, it's like, you know what it is? It's, he's the good guy, right? Yeah. You're right. He's the good guy. So, like, to all the hate Han haters, because there still exist out there and they drive me <laughs> nuts, um, who don't think he, for some reason, he's a good guy for whatever your BS reasons are, because they're all <laughs> stupid. Um, <laughs> Like Han is a good guy. Like yes. yeah. if this was like, this is his re- like don't run out there. You've got a free ship now. But he chooses to go out there, and that more than anything is what then triggers Chewie. Chewie, yeah. who like ten minutes earlier in the film, like for all we know, for all Han knows, leaves him to go after his biggest mission, which is find his people, find his tribe. But he sees the kind of person Han is and chooses Han. Um, and, and has that beautiful goodbye with Sagwa and, you know, oh man, their touching heads is just beautiful. Um, I'm fine. Yeah. And the, (laughs) the, the music in that moment, it's Han's theme, right? And it's, it's like this beautiful statement of Han's theme. It's, it's drawn out on string instruments, right? Which pull at your heart and it's, it's the compassionate good guy, um, and and I just I love that so much that he chooses to run back there and then Chewie then chooses to run back and get Han. Um, it's this moment again just where they all give up their own selfishness for the other. Um, 
And that's what makes them all heroes, right? Like a hero, to quote The Dark Knight Rises, a hero can be anybody. You know, even someone as simple as putting your coat around a young boy and letting them know, let him know the world isn't over. Right? That's a beautiful Aww. line that Batman says to Jim Gordon at the end of Dark Knight Rises. Aww. Right. Like those little moments make you a hero. And in this this scene, we get three heroic actions in a row. Lando, mm-hmm. then Han, then Chewie. Um, I think it it means something that these three characters, you know, that you just mentioned, Lando, Han, Chewie, we're going to see this relationship play out across the saga, you know, and then we'll see how that culminates in episode nine. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, we'll get to see a reunion between Lando and Chewie. So, I I don't know. I think it's significant to see how that started. And it started with love. It started with selflessness. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's what endures, right? Because Kira's not around. Beckett's not around. You know, right. by episode nine, yeah, Lando right. and Chewie are around. Like, yeah. wow, <laughs> wow, yeah, you yeah. guys. It's um, like you know, it 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 kind of reminds me of something um, Jim Capron said a long time ago when Rogue One came out about this idea of with Rogue One, right? There's this kind of um, chain reaction of love that Galen starts by reconnecting with Jin and then Jin does it right by like giving up everything. That Rogue One crew, right? It's this kind of catalyst of love that triggers other people's selfless love. And that's, that is what the scene is in a nutshell. Um, it's this triggering of, of, of selfish, of selfless, selfless compassion that exists within the heart of every one of those characters. Um, yeah. and you know, bad guys don't do that. They don't, no. they don't do that. Um, they have no reason Not to, um, and they all choose to, you know, um, throw, they throw caution to the wind, you know, and I, and I like that moment when Chewie comes out and reports like it's loaded, you know, and Han says like coaxium's loaded. Let's go like Han's ready to go. Like we did what we came here to do. And but Lando's the one who calls their attention back to relationship, mm-hmm. calls their attention back to family, friendship, love. Right. But where's L3, you know, and. They stay, they, you know, they still stay there under the ramp. They don't immediately run up the ramp. And then, you know, then all that stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just beautiful. It's, it's all, you know, it's, it's, that's why I love this moment so much because it is such a beautifully loving moment. In it's this a film. very Star Wars moment. Yeah, it's very yeah. Star Wars because, you know, isn't Definitely. that what George Lucas said? He said, you know, loving people, that's all it is. Yeah. Love people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is exactly what he said. And and that's what we have here is, you know, it, it, it's it's not, you know, obviously this is not a romantic kind of love, but it, it is everyone everyone cares. And um, you know, Lando cares greatly about L3. You know, the two of them have gone on many adventures together, but you know, she's become part of his crew, part of his family. Um and I mean, we, we see him before this. He's putting down these these memoirs, essentially, you know, these, <laughs> these grandiose stories of their adventures together. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, it, 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 she's included. You know, the, there we were, me and L3, you know, and it's like uh, she's included in all of this. And then, you know, he cares very deeply about that. And so when she goes down, he has to act. And because Han cares, and Han, as much as he doesn't like to admit it, Han cares quickly about people he's working with, about people he interacts with. And he made a connection with Lando over, you know, absent fathers um, and a love of the Falcon. Mm -hmm. So there's a connection there. And so that kind of helps prompt him to act. And obviously, you know, we, we've seen uh, Chewie, you know, be more and more impressed with Han from, you know, the, the moment that he, you know, talked to him in Shrewook there in the, you know, the, the, the mud, mud, pit, the mud <laughs> yeah. pit, all the way up through this moment when he let Chewie walk away to go save his people, um, you know, and that respect more than anything is what causes Chewie to act. And that is what gets them all out. And if, if one of those hadn't happened, 
they wouldn't have been able to get it out, get out of the maelstrom because L3 wouldn't yeah. have been able to get into the Falcon. They would have all been dead. Yep. You yeah. know, the coaxium would have blown up or they would have had to dump it and run from Crimson Dawn. And who knows how long they would have, you know, lasted. Um, so, yeah, it was. But but for the fact that those three acted the way they did. Everything would have changed. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, I'm just going to roll this out because this is literally my favorite shot in all of Star Wars. I'm sorry because it's obviously more about visual than hearing. But I, don't, <laughs> I don't care. Okay, you'll be fine. Ugh. That's literally my favorite (laughs) shot ever in any movie ever. Is it Kira clapping? Is it? That's, yeah. (laughs) It's so good. Three claps for for Lady Stormborn. Um, Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just, oh my God. And like, as iconic as the binary sunset is or the shot of... I don't know, other iconic shots in Star Wars. I don't know. I can't think of anything else. But um, this is, to me, the coolest. I mean, I think it's probably five seconds. It is the coolest five seconds on in film history to me. Mm-hmm. To me, right? Like, I know people, oh, Stevie, whatever. It's <laughs> called subjective art, folks. Um, but uh, I love that shot so freaking much. Um, it, it, it trumps anything I've ever seen in Star Wars or any other movie ever. Um, it's just, it's so cool because it's so Han Solo. Yeah. Um, it's just this badass gunfighter backing up, just giving every, every last second. He's just get, getting the, the shots in and it's such a cool, right? Like, obviously I know I'm infamous for being a butthead about how things are shot in star Wars. Um, <laughs> and this is not a very star Wars shot, like traditionally speaking, right? Like we don't have cameras doing that. Um, Right. But it is so darn cool. Um, I could yeah. I could watch that shot on repeat for an entire day, um, and I very well may someday. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, like I got July off, so I got time. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, but it's just it's it's really really cool. Um, and actually, too, like it's it's kind of beautiful because, like, in that moment, too, Han is. Right, like the situation Han is literally in, like they're in, they're under fire, they're in severe danger, and then again, it's cool as Han's backing up the ramp, he becomes enshadowed by the Falcon. Ooh. The Falcon is what is going to protect him for the yeah. rest of his life, in a way, yeah. right? Like he, this is his home now, and he kind of backs into the protection of it. It's but, like it's like in Game of Thrones where you may cloak the bride and bring her under your protection. It's the Falcon like yes, cloaking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but yeah, I just I love that shot so much. Um and uh yeah, he, this is he's found his home. Aww. And he found the home first and foremost because of the people that exist there. Yeah, exactly. So. But so yeah, that's my scene. I love it. Thanks for humoring I, I me. love <laughs> what? what? Thanks was for that? humoring me. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I love hearing you talk about solo. Just your passion for it. Just I don't know. It fills my heart with good feelings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brings warm feelings to my heart. <laughs> yes, exactly. I love how on brand we are today. Like Jason with his you know Dooku and prequel love, and then Carl with his Han Solo love. <laughs> Well, so yeah. so, how on brand are you going to be, Kate? I'm fairly on brand. I mean, I think Darth Maul would have been the most on brand I could be, but this is not off brand. My uh, my pick, my yeah. pick for where can they go to the salty, salty planet called Crate? Indeed, we are. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sorry, I hit mute. My bad. Here we go. He's doing this for a reason. He's stalling so we can escape. Escape? He's one man against an army. We have to help him. We have to fight. No, no, no. We are the spark that'll light the fire that'll burn the First Order down. Skywalker's doing this so we can survive. There's got to be a way out of this mine. Hell, how did he get in here? Sir, it is possible that a natural, unmapped opening exists. But this facility is such a maze of endless tunnels that the odds of finding an exit are 15,428. Shut up! 
Two one. Listen. <coughs> oh, my audio sensors no longer detect. Exactly. Where'd the crystal critters go? Follow me. What are you looking at me for? Follow him. Uh, guys, the scene <laughs> I love is how everything. Leia, I love how Leia just kind of gives a quick glance behind her, like, are you looking at Yeah, me? exactly. She's so <laughs> cute. Oh, my gosh. I love her. She's just all like, what? what? Hey, who's behind me? Like, it looks like she almost expects Holdo to be behind her or something. Like, uh, I don't but know. I completely <laughs> forgot about the you know the fact that three PO cannot leave an odd unfinished. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's like, I'm gonna finish the sentence. I don't. I don't care if nobody's listening. Yeah, okay. I'm gonna Shut finish up. the sentence. <laughs> Two one. <laughs> Sorry, but that's not what you were wanting to talk about in the scene. I'm sure. <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, the scene really is my everything, and I I don't know. I really want to hear what you guys have to say about it in, in light of of what I'm going to bring up, because to me, when I first saw this movie in theaters, uh, you know, I, I was openly weeping, of course, because to me, this was the moment that cemented that Poe Dameron was going to be the one to complete Leia's arc for us, you know, because they're so obviously trying to do something with Leia in, in this trilogy. And, you know, sadly, they're not really going to be able to complete it without Carrie Fisher. So we were all sitting around wondering, like, how are we going to move forward without her? And and her, like, just so deliberately passing on that torch to Poe Dameron, you know, saying, follow him. You know, I that was very meaningful to me, and and I just was crying because I love Leia so much, and I love Poe so much, and seeing those two characters like so firmly connected and so firmly tied together in this like deliberate way. I, I don't know. I was very moved, and then I was surprised to hear that this is actually the moment that for some people cemented Poe Dameron's villainy. What? Yeah. Huh? I'm sorry. You'll notice that at the top of the scene, Poe Dameron says, we are the spark that will light the fire that will burn the First Order down. He changes the line that Holdo said earlier, where she said, we are the spark that will light the fire that or the flames that will restore the Republic. Yeah. You know, Holdo, Holdo has this line of optimism and hope and Poe Dameron changes it to be one of destruction. Like, oh, the resistance is going to burn down the First Order. And Leia's like, excellent, follow him. You know, so a lot of people are speculating that this means that Poe Dameron's vision for the resistance is a not so great one and that he's going to lead them into fire and blood. Mm. And I, you know, personally, I don't love that interpretation because I, I Poe Dameron is so dear to me. And, and uh, you know, I, I, of course, have a very uh, generous interpretation of his character, but I, I don't want to be uh, uh, close minded. Because, of course, when, when I talk about Raylo, there, there are certain things I talk about in Star Wars where I can see people being like, just, no, you're wrong. I don't see it that way at all. You know, just completely shutting down my opinion. And that never feels good. So I want to be open-minded and I want to, I don't, I don't know, there is something there in Poe Dameron changing the line. And, and I want more thoughts. I want, mm. I want to hear some things. I all have right. some thoughts. Okay. Oh, so First do off, I. I've never, I've actually never heard that, um, that particular reaction. Um, yeah, I hadn't and, and you know, like you said, like you know, I don't want to like I would never want to say to somebody like you're stupid. That's dumb, because yeah, <laughs> um, like exactly. everybody's entitled to their opinion. Here's why I love that he changes the line, though. Oh, okay. I love it because Poe makes it his too. Oh, like okay. Haldo lit a spark in him, but po- this is how I understand Poe is the warrior character, right? Like that's his <laughs> archetype. Um, mm-hmm. And I think if like people see him as just some sort of like brash violent person i think they're missing the point like his Mm -hmm. archetype is that of the warrior and as the warrior he's making that quote his own right like he's the military mind um he's not a politician um so it's it's that fire that poe had at the beginning of the film that's now been refined and focused um like haldo Haldo gave him a purpose for that fire um, mm-hmm. But the fire is his, and he's found out how to focus it thanks to Holdo. 
So like that's why I like it so much. Is he she she create she sparked something in him, but it's he still has the freedom to be himself, but has found a way to take that energy and properly use it. So Ooh, that's why I, I really like that like a it. lot. I yeah. like that. I hadn't thought of it yeah. that way. Well, I mean, and I think you know, on a more base basic level, you know, the the fact that um that, that it's changed is because Holdo is, is much more of a of an of an ideal. You know, this is an ideal. This is what our our ultimate goal is. Poe is a hothead. Poe is a pilot. <laughs> Poe needs action, and so he's taking an ideal and making it an action. Um, and and you know, it, it spark that will light that will light the the fire to to restore the republic that's a grand idea you know that's a grand idea and restoring the republic will take time it will take a while poe is looking in a much more narrower time time scale he's like mm. we need this to work now yeah mm. and so we need to start by burning down the first order so that's where this starts that's where his job is and he's a hothead and action man he needs the action verb um, and the action implication, uh, because he can't sit around and do nothing. The worst thing that happened is when, you know, is, is when Leia basically will, will grounds him. Mm-hmm. We see that some, in a, you know, kind of in the movies. She does that to him in the comics uh, once or twice, but you know, it never lasts long because she needs him too. Um, <laughs> but you know, the worst thing that she can do is to ground him. Yeah. Um, he needs the action. He needs the movement and the motivation to do that. Now, is he going to be as you know thoughtful and um, you, you know looking to do things in the best, goodest way possible, like a Jedi would? No, no. If he needs to crack some skulls together and blow some people up to to do what he needs to do, he will. Um, but that's also his role. He is the warrior, like Carl was saying. He is the warrior. He is the uh, the one who will make the hard choices if needed. Um, you know, he's not – while he is fighting for good and fighting for ultimately what is morally right, he is not necessarily as constricted by a moral code as, say, a Jedi would be. So, um, so I think, yeah, I think he does. And, and, and let's be honest, if you're not someone like a Jedi who is trying to just, you know, bring up a, a piece to the galaxy, you want a little revenge too. <laughs> I mean, he's literally just watched hundreds of his fellow resistance fighters die mm. over the last day or two, last several days, you know, he's gotten his butt kicked. You know, except for the exception of Starkiller Base, you know, all week. Yeah. He wants a little payback. So, I mean, I, I don't think he's going villainous, and I don't think he's falling to the dark side um, in any sort of, you know, however far you can fall to a dark side. But he is a kind of a scoundrel. Um, <laughs> but apparently folks like Leia like them. Um. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting because um, there's there's a quote from Leia in the Vader Down comics. You know when she actually she's standing face to face with Vader and she looks at him and I have the quote up here now and she says to Vader, "No matter how many soldiers you march into battle, no matter what dark side powers you muster, you will never stop the rebellion. You and your beloved Emperor are doomed to fail, just like your Death Star. And I'll be there to see it when you all go up in flames." And I'm just all like. Dang, Leia! <laughs> you know, yeah. and I, I think if someone as good as Leia can kind of, I don't know, grasp that fire sometimes, I I think, you know, because these things exist in all of us, right? That that peace and that anger, you know? Mm-hmm. And one, one aggressive line doesn't necessarily, you know, mean you're a bad character forever, you know? I don't know. No, yeah. and, and the yeah. thing is... The thing is to not be controlled by the anger is mm-hmm. that, you mm-hmm. you know, it's war. You're going to get angry. Let's, <laughs> you know, it's war. As long as you're not controlled and motivated by the anger, 
um, then you know changing a, a line from an idealistic one to a uh, let's burn them all down uh, sure. isn't really that serious because mm-hmm. what does he do after that? He shepherds his entire group of resistance fighters out to fight another day. Yeah, he he's leads not gonna, them to safety. Yeah, he's not going to run out there with Luke and just burn the first order. Yeah, because that's what Finn wants to do. Finn's at the his uh, at a place in his arc where he's like, "No, we have to stand up. We have to fight." Like he is literally five whole minutes ago decided that he's in with the resistance. He's in. He's ride or die. Resistance, go. This is my life yep. now. <laughs> yep. And he's like, "No, we're going to fight every battle all the time, tooth and nail." And Poe's like, "Hang on, Finn." <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I. I it's interesting that people have had that take on that line, but mm-hmm. based on Poe's character as a whole, and then Poe most more specifically in what he's doing in this very scene, I don't see. Uh, I personally don't see the connection to him being villainous or 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 dark side ish. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and pull up another quote. This is from the the very very end of the Poe Dameron comic. You know, 31 issues of glorious Poe Dameron content. You guys know me. <laughs> I was so here it's, for it. Oh my gosh, it's some good stuff, folks. Yeah. That's definitely one of the better comic lines yeah. that we've gotten. And so this is like Poe kind of. Um, this is um, shortly after the events of the Last Jedi. So um, you know. It, what was I going to say? I was going to say it's it's I, it's the most recent Poe Dameron content we have. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, um, okay, so since this happens right after The Last Jedi, he's kind of standing around reflecting about the state of the Resistance, you know, and how are they going to move forward and stuff like that. And, uh, and he says, um, it's not about Jedi or about the best pilots in the galaxy winning against impossible odds. It's not about saving the galaxy. It's about saving your galaxy, the one within your reach. To choose right over wrong. When it's dark, you try to bring some light. If everybody made that choice, well, I think everybody can. Maybe they just need to see how you do it. I think that's the fight. The resistance has just begun. And it's just like, oh, Poe. So, like, that sentiment, I don't I don't know. When I hear him say that thing about, you know, it's not about saving the galaxy. It's about making these small choices. That kind of... It doesn't exactly mesh to me with, you know, we're the spark who will burn the First Order down. It's kind of like, you know, one one of these things is not like the other, you know? Hmm. I don't know. Well, I mean, the other thing is Poe is in the middle of a firefight. True. When he says, burn, you know? Okay. okay. And, now, and now he's had a chance to sit back, mm-hmm. you know, heal from whatever injuries mm-hmm. and reflect, you know? Yeah. I, and and again, he's a hothead. True. <laughs> Let's not forget this. He's a hotshot, hot-headed pilot who acts first and thinks later. So, yeah. Um, so I'm yeah. I, I agree. I'm very optimistic for a much more mature Poe in yeah. Episode Nine. I'm mm-hmm. I'm very excited for a Poe who's the leader of the Resistance. Um, I, cause I feel like he really did come into his own in the last Jedi, you know, kind of grew, he is still hot headed, but he's grown beyond that, you know, that hot shot pilot, you know, what did, what did Holdo call him? You know, uh, reckless, yeah. you know, dangerous. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's, he's really grown out of that and become the leader that Leia needed him to be. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I'm really excited to see that, that fleshed out character in episode nine, yeah, I really love Poe. Well, like, and and if I if I may, like, just to kind of piggyback off to off this like thought, it's yeah. similar to like somebody like Han. Like Han mm. is always a bit brash, always a, a little bit arrogant. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that well, I think the arrogance is partially because yeah, he is a bit arrogant. Um, <laughs> but also, like, I think more than anything, um, I and this is something. Um, I, 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 I combat with with folks in my head where I when I hear that, uh, <laughs> Han is nothing but but arrogant um, and therefore deeply flawed. I think Aww. the thing I love about Han so much in specifically Solo is he's not arrogant. He just really believes that he deserves more, you know. And Han mm. comes from nothing, so to be able to cling to that to that um, belief is really impressive. Han comes from nothing. For those who forget that, he comes from yeah. nothing. And yet believes he deserves more. That's not arrogant. That's hopeful af. 
Um, Gosh, yeah, no, and, it really like, is. And like, yeah, it it it's it's so easy to believe that you deserve your suffering. You know what I mean? But that's not true. We all deserve to be loved. We all deserve to be cared for. You know, and and treated with respect. You know, there there are certain things that we all just innately deserve, and Han never forgets that, and that's. Yeah really strong and really beautiful right you guys yeah wow <laughs> i mean his his arrogance comes from to me like his skills like he knows he's really mm. good as a pilot yeah. he believes mm-hmm. that he's the best in the galaxy and like yeah that arrogance is always there but at the same time like he can still also he you can be a flawed person who's still the good guy poe mm. can come short of things he can he can still like even in nine, he could still have a bit of that hot, you know, kind of hot headedness. He could still have a bit of that shoot first, ask questions later mentality. Not quite directly that maybe, but <laughs> he can still have those shortcomings mm. to use Han's line. You can all still you can still be unrefined and good. <laughs> you know? Maybe um, and maybe the suggestion maybe the suggestion is that no one person has all the answers. You know mm. what I mean? No, none like, of us. Yeah. Do. yeah. Well, that's the thing. Well, not even not even Ray. Ray right. doesn't have all the answers. Right. You know, like it's and not even Leia. Leia didn't even have all the answers. You know, Luke certainly did not have all the answers. You no. know, so when Yoda see, didn't have all the answers. Yoda didn't have all the yeah. So when we see a flaw in Poe Dameron, you know, even though he's supposed to be our leader now, the leader of the good guys, you know, he's not going to be perfect at it and. That doesn't make him a villain to me personally. No. Yeah. And it shouldn't because we're all flawed. Mm-hmm. Everyone still has their character flaws. Nobody becomes this, you know, unless it's a poorly written story, nobody becomes this perfect character at the end of their arc and nothing is ever wrong with them ever again. <laughs> they never ever have a bad day. Uh, you know, <laughs> they're always nice to everybody. You know, they, they, you, come on, folks. Everyone's going <laughs> to wake up on the wrong side of the bed, stub their toe and look at their symbols in the mirror and go, God, you got old. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, yeah. I would love that. If Poe Dameron just like stubbed his toe one day and then he's like, that's it, I'm burning down the First Order. <laughs> Those guys are toast. Yeah. I stubbed my toe. You know, this is why, you know, but like, that's why these are the reasons we love characters. We love them because they're not perfect. And we love them because their imperfections are what are the mirrors for us. Right. Right. Um, And that's why we find ourselves attached to characters is because more often than not, it's their imperfection that um, we can quickly identify with and then be like, wait a minute. But there's so much more than that. Um, And sometimes the imperfection feeds the goodness of who they are. So yeah. Poe, Lay is well aware of that hot-headed nature and yet has been kind of molding him into the future of the resistance leadership because she recognizes, probably a lot like her own darn husband, that <laughs> there's something about that fire, that energy, that passion that can be crafted into something so good, you know? Yeah. Um and because it's such strong passion and such strong fire, you might occasionally get a little burned. Um, <laughs> but ultimately, there's something really good there. And that's why ultimately Leia is the perfect companion for Han, right? Like whereas mm-hmm. Kira wasn't. Um, and that's not a fault on Kira. Um, but it's more because uh, it, it's an, Leia has had um, a really great life. You know, um, in the sense of she had great parents. She was loved. She grew up as a princess of a first world country, planet (laughs) for that matter. Like Leia's had a lot of great things afforded to her. And what makes her great is that it's never been something she holds in for herself. Right. She's great because she's always fighting for those who who don't have that. Right. That's what she does. But she has had such a great perspective her whole life that she's able to take characters who are so darn flawed like Han or Poe or Luke. um, Right. And make them into something so much more because she takes the beautiful life that she's had and fights for others and helps others see their goodness and gives them that focus. Um, That's that's Leia's. That's what makes Leia such a great leader is she's her whole life. She's seen a model of great leadership and great love and great compassion. And what makes her so great is that she wants to live that forward. Um, And then we see the effect it has on folks like Han and Poe. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't have anything mm-hmm. else to say, but I, I like that. You know, you, when you when you play with fire, you do kind of get burned sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the end of this, uh, you know, Poe's going to be crispy on the outside, but tender on the inside. Oh no! Don't throw Poe Dameron into lava. I, I no, can't. no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm referring to him more like a chicken nugget or something. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I swear, oh my gosh, I swear, if this saga ends with Poe Dameron laying in lava, like, looking up at Ray, I hate uh, you! <laughs> no, 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 that was not where I was going. Is crispy on the outside, tender on the inside. Aww, yeah, you know, like chicken nuggy, little yeah, golden like, chicken nuggy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I was referring to Poe as, you know, comfort because he's juicy! Because he's... <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness! Uh, snack on Poe Dameron, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Maybe you should uh, rename your Twitter handle just for a week. Post Snack Dameron. Post Snack Dameron. Oh my gosh! Yes. Uh, hi. <laughs> uh, if I ever made a personal Twitter, it would just be Alden to Snack. Alden to Snack. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man. So, what an on-brand yet excitingly beautiful episode. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yes. It was so on-brand, but yet so good. Yes. Uh, I, we should do this more often. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, seen it. Um, <laughs> seen it! <laughs> so, um, who wants to remind folks of our matchup that we I'll will do, do next week? <laughs> I was going to say Katie. I'm here. I'm Excellent. Here. Katie. Yes. All right, for everybody, next week, be sure to weigh in with your pick for our matchup of Newt Gunray versus Seal Bibble. Who wins? It's the ultimate slap fest. I don't know. It's (laughs) unthinkable. It's unthinkable. (laughs) (laughs) Take him away. (laughs) (laughs) I am so hyped for this matchup. (laughs) I love it so much. And there's no three-day weekend with a holiday, so we should remember to post it over the weekend this <laughs> yes, time, folks. Definitely so, will. <laughs> um, but uh, if you folks want to weigh in on our matchup or any of the scenes that we discussed here this episode, Carl, where can they do that? Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Wampas Lair. Um, we're also on Facebook at Wampas Lair Podcast. Or you can email us at Wampas Lair Podcast at gmail.com. And Katie, Poe's favorite snack, where can I find <laughs> you on the Twitter world? Obviously, you can find Poe's snack in Poe's lunchbox. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Poe Hot Dameron. Yes, do that. It's always a fun time. Uh, do we have anything else before we close out this episode? I think that'll do it. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, so much for listening to this episode of the Wampus Lair Podcast. This has been episode number 335. Seen it. For Carl and Katie, I'm Jason, and we will see you next time here in the Wampus Lair. <laughs> <laughs>